Hey, everybody. Connor and I work really hard to try to bring the best podcast in self-storage that we can. We ask a lot of guests. We do a lot of research and a lot of work goes into it. If you could help us out by leaving a review, it's so easy. You just go down on whatever device, Spotify, Apple, whatever you're using, leave a great review. It really helps us out. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to Self Storage Income, everybody. And we are into 2023. I think that's the correct year. I think we're, we're in 2023. And, um, you know, this has been a wild six months as things are changing. And 2023, in my opinion, is going to be the year of debt, meaning that is going to be the principal thing that storage owners, storage operators, people that are buying, getting into it. This is going to be the primary topic for all of 2023 because it is so different. The landscape is so different from the last 10 years. So with that, I was I was like, you know what? It's really important we start this year off right and right with the major issues. So I've got my friend and colleague with me, Ben. And to give you some background, Ben has been our broker on our debt for a long time. We've done lots of transactions, very large transactions. And he has a very interesting insight into those capital markets, specifically with storage. And so we're going to talk with him. We're going to talk about a lot of cool things coming up and what you need to know and to expect. So with that, Ben, welcome. Thanks, AJ. Happy to be here. I'm, uh, I mean, you're in the office. I, you know, I tell people all the time, it's one thing when we have guests and we do it on Zoom, right? But when you have somebody in with us doing the podcast, it's just like way more natural. It's yeah, like, yeah, for sure. For it, sure. It, we don't have to you think of it. It's not this weird delay. It's just like, we're just here talking. Exactly. No, it's, uh, it's, I, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, it's great. It's always great to see you. And, uh, no, I'm just excited to chat and, uh, yeah, this is well, going to definitely be an interesting year. You know, we've known each other now for a long time. We've seen a lot going on in the market, huge transactions in the market, um, everything from portfolios to you know individuals, and you have a, a history we'll kind of get into um, with that in your background. Um, but two, you know, I think probably one of the biggest things for me and exciting things is I finally got you to join the team. Yeah. So, and we're going to now be announcing that we've started, and I've talked about it on some other platforms, but we never done an official announcement. Um, our uh, debt brokerage side, where we will be helping out on the lending side. And, you know, me and you, we've been talking about this for a long time, about yeah. the problems and what's happening. Yeah. And we've been talking about, like, that's why we're like, hey, let's join forces here and Absolutely. really get something done. And the value that you brought to us alone, it was just like... We didn't. We just. We needed you to be a part of the team because the value you bring is so. Uh, you bring is so big. So, walk people through kind of your past, how you got involved in the brokerage side, and what you've been doing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just before I jump into that, I just want to say that I'm so excited to get going with you guys. And over the past few years, it's been a pleasure working with you. And, you know, now being part of it is I'm privileged and I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to getting going. So it's very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. So my my background uh, background is a little bit interesting. I, uh, you know, out of university and college, I I was actually playing sports. I was a soccer player. I got drafted by the MLS, the Major League Soccer. So I played a few years professionally and um, injuries took its toll. And uh, I ultimately got into real estate thereafter. Timing probably wasn't great, right? Towards the uh, the, the global financial crisis. Wait, when no, I... wait, hold on here. Before you go to that, who'd you play for? The Galaxy. Okay. Yeah, the okay. LA Galaxy. Nice. So yeah, and then bounced around a few other clubs, but that was the sort of the the stint that I had. It wasn't too long, but good enough to be there for for a period. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. But um, so who do you cheer for in the? Uh, 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 who's your team? In the MLS, I got to stick with the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Even though uh, LAFC's there now, um, yeah. Galaxy's sort of where it started. So right. yeah. who are you rooting for, for like uh, the World Cup? Obviously, America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. But. We had a good showing. So I, I, was, I was rooting for Brazil. I can't. I, I I feel like a traitor saying that, but I lived in Brazil. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like there, you know, when 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 I got to Brazil, the first thing they they said is they're like, uh, "Who's your team?" And I was like, "What?" And they're like, "You can't live here unless you have chosen a team." And I, I was like, "Okay." Um, I mean, like, do I choose like a country or whatnot? And they're like. No, that's not how this clubs, works, right? Yeah, You're choosing a club. club. So I had to pick a club in the area because I lived in Sao Paulo, and they have multiple clubs there, Sao right? Sao Paulo is a huge yes, club, though, yeah. Huge club area. And so um, I had to pick my club in the Sao Paulo area. Um, and then we every time we'd meet everybody, that's the first thing that they'd ask you. Like It was like, in if you until we figure this out, we can't have a conversation. Exactly, <laughs> so yeah. That's, that's That is going to define... All of our conversations here on out, you need to tell us, you know, who's your club and <laughs> yeah. why you like them. So, That's so funny. Yeah. yeah wow. No, I was rooting for the U.S. I mean, we had a pretty good showing. So in four years, it'll be back here. So, it'll, you know, hopefully, though, it'll be exciting to see it then as well. So looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, it was, it was a little disappointing to me. But, um, you know, it was funny because it takes a life. Like, so I was a Corinthiano, which means I supported the team that were the Corinthians. Corinthians, I think that's my how you yes. say it in English, um, which is funny because that's kind of like the ghetto team. So uh, I lived in the favelas, though, so that was my my team because oh, I, that's I, I amazing, there, right? And they they were just like the ruffians, like it was known like Corinthianos. You go there, like there's gonna be fights, right? It was, you know, it was just kind that's of funny, so but cool. it really showed your identity, yeah, on which team you. No, that's amazing. Poster. I didn't know that. So, yeah. Fun AJ fact. Yeah, yeah. Fun that's AJ very fact. cool. So, anyways. Okay, yeah, so. yeah, so I got into, after the, the sporting days, got into the, the real estate business. Um, and uh, I actually started, I, I started, surprisingly, as, as a tenant rep broker. I was, I, I just wanted to get into the business. So I got in as a tenant rep broker in Los Angeles, trying to represent tenants on their lease transactions focused on office buildings and this was during the 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 financial crisis when nobody wanted a lease so i was sitting there in a room banging cold calls trying to figure this out 
and people were just slamming the phone in my face. I don't want my lease. I'm trying to get out of my lease, and you're telling me you want to lease me space or represent me, you know? So it was, it was some pretty interesting times, and uh, it it was one of those experiences that almost taught you what you don't want to be doing in the business, right? So after a while, I said to myself, "Well, I feel like I'm just, I, I don't, I want to understand more and how these." things work in operations and why is a building a good building why does it function properly so I, I i shifted more towards the the debt capital market side thereafter and um that was you know through doing that and through looking at loans and assessing loans you have to be able to read rent rolls PL statements understand sponsorships tax returns things like that so you get a, a very broad a perspective of of a transaction and um you know i as time went on and i stayed in that field I, I i really started to enjoy it but i got i was in banking uh i worked for citigroup for for a while in la in new york city uh predominantly in their cmbs unit i worked for another bank called ubs when i was in new york and uh when i was in so we had moved to new york and you know after a while just family situations everything's fine but it sort of said eh, let's not be here anymore let's go back to california so at that point in time uh, an individual that i knew was working at cbre and he had approached me before we had always stayed in touch and we were chatting before so he was a cmbs lender as well he moved to cbre and said hey i'm launching a team in la uh, do you have any interest in being part of it? And at first I said, well, my New York stint isn't done yet, but let me see. And then after a while I said, you know what, it is done, so let's go back. So that's what got me into the brokerage business. Now, all the while, while I was lending, um, truth be told, I did we, I, I did all asset types, right? Especially yeah. in the conduit, right? You're just, it's, you know, it's they almost call it dog years there. You're just seeing transactions. And this was CMBS 2.0 after the the crisis when, and right when it was ramping up and, you know, it was, it was. Uh, and CMBS, everybody? Yeah, why don't you just quickly oh, sorry. explain CMBS over there. Oh, sorry, apologies. Yeah, so uh, CMBS stands for Commercial Mortgage Backed Securities. So a CMBS loan is, um, it is a, a fixed, predominantly a fixed rate. Uh, well, what I was doing mainly was it was fixed rate uh lending for you know t five seven or ten years but typically the transaction at the time was 10 years and it was across the u.s for all asset types cash flowing so non-bridge stabilized properties the the typical convention or the the major properties of a cmbs loan are that it is inherently non-recourse so there's no recourse attached to it, which is very appealing. And at the time, again, this is after the financial crisis when CMBS was coming back and people had troubles. So, yeah. you know, not having to personally guarantee a loan. So it was that they could get a little higher up on the leverage curve relative to maybe a life insurance company. Yeah. So more proceeds. Um, they're willing to go into secondary and tertiary markets for, for asset types. Um, and also another component of it was that it uh, they do provide interest only. So um, yeah, we were one of the, so we were either one of or the first CMBS product in the Northwest to actually be done after 2008. Oh, really? So like, wow. you know, the CMBS market just shut down. 
right? Correct. And, and that was over. But when it came back, we were um, one of the first people that were issued that debt in Northwest on a storage facility. Yeah. Um, and we chose that route, obvious, for those reasons you just right. mentioned, right? Non-recourse, we're still scarred from the financial crisis. And, and two, I mean, it wasn't even just scarred. It was just like we were so close to it that it was like, I don't even know if we're out of this, right? right? It was like, right. this could turn at any second on us. So we were very particular of it, but we liked the non-recourse side of it. Um, there are a few, though, downsides. So Correct. you one of the upsides is they'll, they'll do interest only. They wouldn't do interest only at the time, but you know they will do interest only. It's non-recourse. You get a little higher leverage Correct. than a, so uh, you mentioned- uh, uh, Like a life insurance company. Life insurance company, right. which they do non-recourse, but Correct. they want a lot more down. Yeah, as a general rule of thumb, life insurance companies, and you obviously have a background in the insurance world yep. as well, so you have a good baseline of all this stuff. But um, yeah, as a general rule of thumb, uh, most conventional life insurance companies will want, um, they're not going to be pressing on the leverage per se, and also they focus on specific markets. So for instance, some will not uh, entertain secondary or tertiary markets if the demographics aren't there so they're 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 fairly particular and another thing about life insurance companies too is um there are a few of them but not not a lot but uh, self-storage general as a general rule of thumb is you know for fairway deals or call it sub 10 million dollars so some of these life insurance companies want a, a higher notional higher loan amount yeah so yeah so so a lot of times and that's been our, our issue we've never done one with a life insurance company because it was always like they wanted so much down that it, i mean and so when we say so much down i mean we were talking like on the on, on acquisitions on, on acquisitions, on acquisitions. Yeah. so they were going to loan right we needed to have uh you know 40 percent down on the loan side is or or more 45 percent even some of them were like 50 percent when we were looking and it right. obviously these things change everything else as opposed to cmbs where it was 30 percent. correct so. yeah exactly exactly yeah so um and uh no you're exactly right and also with cmbs though there are like i said there are a lot of pros uh and again there having worked in the industry for for a while there there are also a lot of a lot of um i don't want to say cons i think that's kind of a negative yeah yeah connotation yeah, exactly. yeah, but yeah. It, it's there are some some components that borrowers should just be very aware, aware of, of yeah, correct yeah. going into the transaction and some of those are yes although the loan is par and par meaning uh typically they are par they could charge you know everything changes but a, a yes. typical cmbs loan is they're not charging an origination fee but some of the fees that you go through down the line can be expensive for yes. instance you have to order the the whole suite of third-party reports which can be expensive relative to some other uh, banks or credit unions might not require uh, an environmental report per se some say yeah. they're going to do a uh a desktop report where they'll look at uh, historical files for 250, 500 bucks rather than a couple grand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that you have to engage legal. The loan docs are pretty, pretty extensive. Yes. Yeah. So, and um, the other thing too is the pricing with with CMBS as well. It's because what they do with with uh, commercial mortgage backed securities loans is they're pooling the loans. Mm -hmm. 
and then once they've pooled the loan, si- typical, uh, similar t- to a, a residential mortgage-backed securities yes. uh, trust, where, where they're pooling these loans and then ultimately they're selling that trust mm-hmm. or they're selling it as securities yes. with various um, credit ratings attached to, to the securities. Now, before we go any farther, a lot of people may be hearing this and they may be going, oh my gosh, this is the big scam like happened in 2008 right. because I read this in the big short or something like right. that. Now, very important for us to make sure that you understand the debt market, this has been on forever, right? And the debt market is actually the market. Like the the stock market, other markets just pale in comparison to it. This is where everything is done. This is where it is. None of these assets, we didn't have problems with these and never have. It was that one subset of the commercial backed securities that was predicated on housing due to the housing collapse. Like, right. That is not, this isn't some new. Correct. Correct. This is or, exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. This is, I mean, this is very much a, an important uh, Piece of uh, liquidity yes. mechanism for commercial real estate. This is very much something that the keeps the wheels greased. Of yeah. Big commercial real estate is done this way. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, uh, totally. And it's, 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 individuals who have $3 million loans and then also larger transactions yes. upwards of, you know, even billion dollar transactions are done via a CMBS execution because it's very difficult to club up a handful of bank. One bank will not take down a monster, a monster yeah. deal of that size. So sometimes it's difficult to club up a lot of these banks to, to, to each take a portion of it on a, on a balance sheet where holding it rather than securitizing it, which is selling it, makes it uh, a, a viable execution. Yes. But w- yes, yeah, so this is yeah, not... The, the real estate market would literally not exist. This, 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 yeah, this is, this is, this is a, a, a mainstay, non-recourse yes. execution yep. for borrowers. And it's, and the, what I was going to get at is the pricing is subject to the, the, uh, the bond market and mm-hmm. the mortgage-backed security bond market yep. and how these are trading because you have the index and then you have a spread and yes. spreads are changing as the index in yeah. the CSR as well. So they usually, a, a conventional CMBS loan will not rate lock you until the moment, right before you're going to close. Literally we're on Correct. the phone and it's like, okay, are you ready to lock? Yes. And then we're like, okay, yes. And you give them permission. Exactly. They There's a trader on the phone. Yeah. Trader on the phone, on the desk. And then they go out, they execute the sell. And then they tell you, this is what you This got. is your rate. This so, is your rate. So, the, I mean, they've given you, uh, they give you a spread and an index in your term sheet. Yep. But it's all subject to the due diligence of the property, making sure that everything... Uh, comes together as it has been presented because you're subject to appraisals and everything like that, but and and, and also your due diligence process. So it's just something that folks uh, need to be aware of. need to be aware of. Yeah. And um, you know, one one thing I think you know about me, AJ, having worked with me, is that I I always want to make sure that when we're we're dealing with with people that you know it's not it's not just we have to make sure that people understand where the downfalls are, yes. especially, especially I, I don't want there to be any surprises yeah. and it's about eliminating variables on the front end. And, so. and, and I think, you know, an important way that I always look at this is like people will say, okay, well, non-recourse versus recourse, the, the, you may say ups and downs, but they can be inversed, meaning that a downside that one person may see in one may be actually an upside to another person 
in another. So it's all about risk. So when you're dealing with non-recourse, you, you're not backing that risk. So then the risk is on the asset. So they want higher reserves. They want, Correct. they, they're more stringent about paybacks. So like you have prepayment penalties. Why? Because they're like, it, it was sold as a security. This isn't something you just pay back and the bank's like, thanks for the money. And gone, Correct. right. Yeah. And so what all you're doing is you're just changing that. Okay. If it's recourse, my bank account, my house, everything I have, my business is now backing it. So they're like, we don't need maybe as high as reserves. We don't need all these third-party reports because if anything goes wrong, I'm just taking everything you own anyways, and that's going to offset right there. So when it's non-recourse, they go, you're not holding the risk. Correct. So now we just need to make sure that the property is the what it is. There's no problems or anything because that's the only place where the risk is held. Ex that's the main difference yeah, to me. In ex my yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree with that. And all this, you know, at the core of what we're really talking about here is sustainability of cash flows. Yes. And yes. when you have a non-recourse loan, the hammer is your a foreclosure mm -hmm. taking the prop is the property. Yeah. Right. When you have recourse, the hammer is to the guarantor. Yes. Of the of the loan. So when you're the underwriting and banks don't want properties. Like, yeah, they're not in the business. Property, they're like, yeah. I don't even know what to do with it. Yeah, mo the the lending units of banks are not, you know, they they don't yeah. want to be asset managers. No. This isn't a. They're not a. Banks aren't, yeah. you know, with all the regulations, they're not really in the loan to own no. type business. So, um, the 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 non recourse is, and I, I you know I find it to be uh it, it's an interesting topic uh you know depending upon who you talk to some people yeah. say I don't care I'll sign recourse I'll, I I've yeah. never defaulted on a property yeah I I really I don't care and they'll say uh, some folks will say oh no I've had bad experiences I'm I'm only doing non recourse deals yes. so it's a you know it's it's a business model it's a personal preference like right. so for us our business model determines our debt and we're very open about this so when we go into a property we do uh recourse and the reason being is is it's how our business model works that we have to do that because we're doing a value add so we are increasing the cash flows right we're increasing therefore the equity we're improving the value of it and we're doing it in a very short period of time so in three years we want all our money back out plus profits well that means that if we went into a uh non-recourse loan that has massive prepayment penalties that I don't know that I can, I would get all this value that I might not be able to exercise on it. Now, does that mean I don't do non-recourse? Or does that mean that I uh, don't do non-recourse? No, actually, almost all of our assets are in non-recourse. And then you're like, well, that doesn't make sense because after we build it up, we have to refinance it. Correct. After we stabilize it, we move it into a non-recourse loan. So how we view it, and once again, this is different for everyone. My business strategy predicates the debt products that I need to do to execute my strategy. But we go, I'll personally take on the risk because I'm going to get that upside. So I'm willing to take on that risk. Then after we've gotten that upside, the property's now stabilized. We're not going to see incremental gains like we did before. I have no qualms of locking it up for a long time at that point. And now I don't want to be subject to outside risk that I don't know about or anything else. And so I'm going to put that into a non-recourse, right? So when some people like either like it, they don't, I like both of them. We use them differently, but you can see how that, that there is no, what you said is perfect. 
downsides or upsides, if you notice from my example, the downsides and the upsides, I utilize both. And so in one scenario, the downsides of the CMBS, meaning when I'm buying that property, that's bad for me because I couldn't exercise on the capital. Right. Literally three years later, that downside means nothing to me, but the downside of the risk of owning the asset means a lot. So when one was a negative, it immediately becomes a positive to me within a three-year period of time on an individual property. So these are tools and that's what you do. So like when people look at you, we would go to you and we would say, we have a property, Ben, here's my business plan, okay? I am not a debt guy. I don't know where the banks are at. I don't know what individual products they're using. I don't know where the CMBS market is and I don't know where life insurance is. So every time we go out, all I'm saying is I'm a storage guy. This is the asset. Here's my business plan. And then we're going to you and we say, Ben, what is the best product to execute our business plan in today's market based upon what we're trying to do? Right. You go out to the market, right? And you're looking at everything from local banks, credit unions, CMBS, non-recourse life insurance, everything there is. And then we come together with all these products, right? And put together a plan that is best for the asset and my business plan. And I think a lot of people don't look at banking that way. They literally look at it as a simple transaction, meaning I just need money. You're supposed to give money to me. What do you want for it? And we don't look at it that way, right? It's a very strategic thing. And when you're in commercial real estate, it's my opinion, that's how it should be looked at. But that's like, I mean, when you said you were, you know, in New York and you went to California, doing that's principally what you were doing, right? You were working with clients to execute whatever plan or fears or things that they had, correct? Yeah, correct. And to to just take a, a, a step back real quick, obviously in a perfect world, everybody would want a non-recourse loan, right? Oh yeah, I, if I could have the best yeah. of all worlds, correct. I didn't have to do, pay all the upfront fees, I could pay right. it off at any time and it would be non-recourse. Right. If you can get me that, Ben, we're yeah. going to have a huge business here, everybody, because you're, yeah, everyone exactly. will want loans from us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, um, it, a lot of it, you know, when it comes to the, the guarantee and the recourse component, it's it's lender by it's, you know, when, when you look at the different buckets of capital who are providing loans, it's, you know, it, it, it's very predicated on who you're dealing with, where the asset is. Um, you know, like I said, some of these secondary and tertiary markets, uh, you're not going to get national banks who are going to do a a, a $3 million loan there. They're yep. just not They're interested not in it. it. So you're going to get a local bank and a local bank has, this is our, this is our small box that we function within. Every single loan is recourse. If you want a deal, this is what it looks like. Take it or leave it. You know, there's, that, yeah. so it's again. And, and it's market cycles. I mean, when we started in COVID, like, so right when COVID began, the CMBS market almost shut down. No, it didn't almost shut down. It did? It did shut down. Okay, it did shut it, down. It did shut down. So all of a sudden... It, and it was it was very scary. Yes, very scary. Because when that happens, that's like, once again, 2008 scenario. And everybody's like, uh-oh, are we going into another situation like that? And that's like worst case scenario for the government. Because the moment capital stops flowing through society is the moment the economy doesn't exist. So yeah. it's, you know, this changes... But then six months after, like literally, it shut down six months later. Yeah. It was back up, right? It, yeah, it was scary. So 
I, I will uh, let me answer that. Yeah, I want yeah, to answer go, your, go, your, yes, prior, yeah, go, your prior your question. So yes, I uh, it, it is important when I was when I again being a direct lender is uh, when I was in California and New York uh, on the banking side. Yes, obviously working with people on their business plans, ensuring that the the product that we are providing is in alignment with what you need, right? Yes. Because a lot of the times what we were doing was a 10-year fixed rate loan. Yep. And there are uh, prepayment penalties attached to those. So if somebody has a deal and they say, I only want to own this for five years, well, then I'm not the guy for you. Sure, you want me to do it, that's fine, but you need to make you need to understand that you're going to get hit with a prepayment penalty. Some people have funds where there's certain fund lives and they need to recycle. So these, you know, looking at, I, I took that perspective from the lending side and applied it to, to the mortgage banking business and ensuring that when we talk with people and we're helping them, we understand short, medium, long-term, what do you want to do with this? If this is just a, you know, a, reposition to stabilization then sell it if this is a, a co deal you know certificate of occupancy and then you're going to sell it if this is a legacy deal you, you really have to ask those questions and the best part about being on the mortgage banking side relative to uh you know just being a, a lender of one product type is i can you know we can talk about okay well we can talk to these lenders we can talk to those lenders so so we have the the sort of the breadth the breadth of product, which is, which allows us to uh, tailor uh, an execution that works for 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 our clients and the sponsors, yeah. and um, yeah. But during COVID time, that was that that was a pretty scary moment. Yes. Um, you know, I I had one of the transactions that I was working on at the time. It was six self storage pro. It was six self storage loans. Uh, collateralized by nine properties because one of them was a three pack and no is, is that the right math no it was, yeah I think that's right anyways um or is eight properties uh but we were doing uh six individual loans and they were all with the same lender so the six loans were not crossed right yeah so um we had or the six prop the six loans were not crossed the eight properties but um what we did was we, we started this in around December of 2019, the process. January happened and we were supposed to close in February and the lender just said, we're not closing the loan. And nobody knew what was going on. And at the time I was working at CBRE and we had an ongoing thread of all the brokers across the country saying, up. Oh, I just got a note from this person shutting down. I just got a note from this person not doing any more loans. I got a note from this person. They said they'll fund, but only here. It was it was very scary, and I had the in aggregate it was around fifty million in loans of of, of these uh, of loans with uh, a CMBS lender, and they said we're not funding. There, there's no there's no liquidity. There's nobody there to buy the securities. Nobody knows what's going on told the sponsor that their response to me was what the expletive yeah. and it was i i didn't know my yeah. hands are tied so it was it was really a frightening time it but was. like you said six months later everything's or a few months later it's sort of thought everybody came out and uh we figured it out i think uh some of some of those uh 
some of what happened as a result of COVID is is shaping a little bit of the debt markets today in terms of asset types and what people are and what lenders will focus on and what they won't. Um, some, you know, in this day and age are having very uh, are having difficulties with, say, office and CBD office. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there has been the the return to work, and that whole dynamic has 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 really changed. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's some other assets. Well, and a lot of people feel that it's fragile. So yeah. I mean, you know, you look around the world, and all of a sudden you you're still hearing that there's all these countries that still go into lockdown. Everything else, you got to imagine as a bank, they're like. When's the next variant or when's the next thing coming out? And the government's going to say, oh, you can't go to work anymore. And all of a sudden we've got these huge loans on these properties that, I mean, you know, that it it definitely shaped the psyche of capital and the co- capital markets and both from debt, but also investors. I mean, 2008 put a spotlight on storage, but COVID freaking drew the sun like it was everybody was like um hold on you know state of california saying you can't collect rent on apartments you can't go into office buildings because of covid now and you have like rent controls you have no evictions you have so the cash flows on those assets all of a sudden look completely up in the air whether they're going to last whether you can get them or anything else and they're sitting there then looking at storage going Oh, you haven't really been affected. Yeah. And again, right? So it was manded that that was just another thing that added to where when you look at the food groups of assets, yeah. I mean hotels, are you kidding me? Oh, Holy they got cow. They, I mean, yeah, retail, you know, high yeah, retail grocery oh, gro- grocery anchored where your necessities, but sort of high human to human touch where you know, you have these small businesses of of nail salons and yeah. and barbershops and other places like that just no, nothing, nothing. And a lot of these lenders, you know, it was um, credit to credit to a lot of them. They were they were very willing to work with yes. with, with some of the borrowers in, in these instances because it wasn't you know, this is not something that they they, they created. Yeah. 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 You know, so it was uh, really interesting times. But again, you know, some of some of what happened then is, is shaping what's going on now in the, the debt capital market. So. Like, like, like I said earlier with, with office properties and, you know, if there's debates about greater economy recessions, how it's going to go with, with, with travel and leisure and that impacts hospitality. And, you know, there's, there's still some, some, some general concerns out there about some, some asset types. And, you know, frankly, when you, when you do a lot of these, these loans, these larger loans where maybe there's a floating rate debt component to it as, as indices have gone up and people maybe felt that they were buying good, you know, good basis deals or, you know, value add office buildings after COVID, after there'd yeah. been an ushering out. And they said, okay, I'm going to put, you know, a three year floating rate loan on this. And they never got that lift yeah. with the occupancy. And they just bought this thing for 30, 40, 50 million. And now it's not. The interest rates have now doubled too. And, and so they're, yeah. so they're in that, you know, yes, some of these, there are derivatives and other mm-hmm. mechanisms to prevent interest rates from going through the roof, but you they're know, expensive. S- they're, they're insanely expensive. Yeah. You're, you're, I know you're well aware uh-huh. of that, uh, from, from some of like, our prior. Shocking. I mean, yeah. I mean, expensive to the point where it took it, it we, we were looking at a deal and it took interest from uh, the interest rate from when they were like, okay, well, 
we will lock in, you know, at eight, but you have to pay so much money that it turned the interest rate into an effective 10, 10 plus percent interest rate. Like that's how expensive it was. And we're going, yeah. it's not eight anymore. It's not an 8% interest rate anymore, right? It was shocking. I'd never been in a position to where banks were, I think, super nervous about it. And yeah. the cost and the price tag associated with that cap was blooming. Yeah, I mean, as as I remember the transaction, yeah. I remember it well, uh, but as, as the indexes were rising, they have to, it's, it's you know, predicated on a mul- multitude of factors, but if it's gonna continue to ascend in, in such a manner, they have to cap you at a point. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's effectively an insurance policy yep. so that it doesn't spiral out of control. Exactly. And uh, it was expensive predicated on that ascent plus multitude of other factors, but- Because um, the banks are also in a tough spot where they're going, Yeah. if I give you an interest rate at five and it's 15% in three months or in a year, right? we're in trouble. Like, yeah. so it's, you know, it's yeah. just an interesting dynamic. Yeah. So the, the counterparty on that transaction, who's taking that risk yes. is uh, saying, I'll take the risk, but I, I want, I want my pound of flesh. So, exactly. yeah. So, you know, some of these transactions, it's, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how 2023 sort of rolls, rolls out on. with, a, with a lot of these who, um, you know, some of these asset types and, uh, how it really plays out. So, yeah. and you went back to California. So yes. you kind of left off where you, sure. you went back to California, um, and you started working with um, CB. CB, and uh, then you and you do all you know in the debt markets, um, you do all types. So yeah, you, you do. I mean, multifamily. It doesn't matter. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you can place that that debt and everything. But you always it, it, like storage was like the more the bulk. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So it's 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 pretty interesting. Um, I one of the reasons why I got into uh, uh, real estate was my my father was was also in in commercial real estate lending and banking. And growing up, there's a uh, there's a group out of California that he has been assisting with their lending needs for for something to the tune of forty years. And these uh, these these individuals still own their properties in Greater LA. I think they built their first facility in around the 70s, and uh, at the time they built it with credit cards. You know, this is this is self storage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So interesting stories. But these I mean, guys, you yeah, you know, yeah. Get loans uh, uh, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. So they they did that, and uh, throughout my life I'd always heard in the back drop of storage and storage and storage so uh, my my again my father is not a, a property owner he had just been a lender yeah. and a banker so I was always hearing about this self storage self storage what, yeah. what is this so then once I got into lending right and you're 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 drinking out of a fire hose here with all these different asset types right I, I was like all right let's let's, let's, let's what's going on with storage so I had, I had it was always in the back of my mind and it was always something that I was very interested in and um, I was just very much intrigued by the business and uh, you know there's there's a multitude of, of things that intrigued me about the business but for me one of the things is I, I'm I you know I like things simple yes I like to keep things simple and 
I found self storage to be to to have that, and it's you know it, it's easy to it's easier than other asset types per se to to assess the viability of a transaction, yes. and also when you get into banking, a lot of it is, um, and I'm not trying to throw shade or anything like that, yeah. but it, it's a volume business, yes, right? It's, it's very much a volume yeah. business, and at the and end you're of the, dealing with very small spreads. Yeah. So when you so when you're when you're at the end of the year come bonus time right somebody looks at you and they say okay how much in volume did they do did you do and yes there's some component to it where they look at you know okay what was your profitability and different banks yeah. have different ways of measuring that but ultimately they're looking at your how much your, business yeah yeah how much volume and they're not saying okay well what you know from my experience they weren't ever saying what percentage of this was office retail industrial self storage multifamily yeah. mobile home parks i mean at the end of the care. day they're just like what's the bottom debt what's the number here at the end so when you get into some of these other asset types, right? You know, we were doing one of the one of the groups that I was part of. We were doing some large, and this was you know right before the uh, the the big mall debacle, right? Of yeah. whatever that was around like five six years ago. Yeah. We were doing a lot of bigger retail transactions, and the the analysis that goes into it with you know, we were we were looking at some malls for some some very large REITs, and you would have to spread sales on hundreds of tenants. And by sales, I mean what their sales are per square foot. Jeez. You know, trending sales year over year, explaining you know uh, um, health ratios from their sales relative to their rents, why we think these tenants are going to be there assessing national average sales versus the big box retailers that were there at the time relative to their competition, um, terms of leases with, with these folks, co-tenancy clauses, chasing down estoppels. It was almost mind-numbing, right? Yeah. And and when you look at self-storage, it's it didn't really have <laughs> nearly yeah. any of those components to it. Yeah. And yeah, sure, maybe now and again, you need to chase down an estoppel or an SNDA or something like that if you have maybe a, a satellite lease or another little lease on the property. But uh, most- There's really core points that are going to affect it. Correct. And they're, uh, I don't want to downplay it, but they're very identifiable, right? I mean, yeah. we know there's clearly risk here. Right. And they're clear. And once you understand it, it's very clear. Yeah. So it, it, exactly. And, you know, it, and it's the same with a lot of it is the same with office too, right? And yeah. having to do these analyses when when you have an office building or a, a, a large grocery anchored center where you have lease rollover, what are the co-tenancy clauses tied to these 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 big box retailers? You know, what is your what is your income and ex, what is your NOI look like on an office building if tenant X, uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't, uh, renew their lease right yeah. in this building. Oh, they have three floors in the building. If they go away, you're eviscerated. Right. Yeah. I mean, structuring around that, thinking about that is, 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 um, presents a lot of hurdles, but when you talk about self-storage and you have, you know, good facilities and good locations, granular rent rolls, not one, company or individual who's taking a large portion you know there, there are some questions around you know if these are located near maybe 
military bases or schools or, or, or things like that that you have to start digging into, okay, what if this is a, a blacklisted base or what if this school, um, you know, what's the seasonality with students in, students out, stuff like that. So yeah. you have to assess those cash flows and, and, and that's all that's all fine and good, right? But I don't think, you know, unless this is highly saturated markets, somebody's building something across the street, you know, and it's strong operators, good locations, it's really hard to, and moderate leverage, right? It's, it, it was, I'd never want to say impossible because, you know, yeah, yeah, you never course. know, yeah, but from, from assessing the overall credibility and uh, financeability of these, it, it just presented almost like an easier, uh, an easier route. So I said to myself, this is, I, I like the business a lot. It, it's, it's, it's so much like simpler. Yeah. And one of the things I will say also is that, especially when you go to the, the, um, the self storage conventions and you meet the people, I, I just, I was able to, yeah. you know, vibe, with, vibe with the people. So they're, they're so, you know, so, so friendly, so nice. So and nice. just, it's just yeah. really good people. And oh, I was like, 100%. this is, this is what I want to be involved with. So we were literally talking yeah. about this last night where I was like, I don't think, I think there's maybe one person in the entire industry that I could say that maybe I didn't even like, like, and, and like, there's just, it's such an awesome industry and yeah. me coming from the last industry that I was in too. It was like, no, it was cutthroat. It was mean. Nobody wanted to talk. Nobody wanted to see. Like, and that's just not how self storage is. If you guys are looking to purchase your first storage facility, you just might be looking at the SBA loan approach and one of the best and most efficient places to get your SBA from is going to be Live Oak Bank. These people know self-storage. They've been in the industry for a very long time. They're very knowledgeable. You don't have to educate them on the underwriting, on how you're, you're valuing self-storage, any of that. These guys are incredible at valuing self-storage. They know how to underwrite it, and they are a phenomenal solution for you and your financing needs in all things self-storage. Again, Live Oak Bank. No matter what business or industry you're in, you're going to want a competitive advantage over your competition, right? You're going to want that ability to outperform and outmaneuver and outvalue that competition. Janice International provides you the tools to be able to do that, whether that's their R3 program to help increase the look and feel of your storage facility through new doors or siding or roofing or gating or whatever that is, or a technology solution like their no-key solution that allows people to rent units, to access units, to do all of this without ever going in the office. Be sure to check out Janice International. Link is in the show notes. When you guys are looking at property management software for your storage facilities, there's a ton of options out there, but no other option compares to Tenant Inc. Tenant Inc. is going to be your one-stop shop solution that has an amazing amount of tools that you can deploy at your fingertips to maximize the value of your facility, to operate it more efficiently, more effectively. They have an open API where you can back in almost anything you want. You own your data, and it's just an incredible solution. I can't say enough good things about these guys. Link is in the show notes. Be sure to check out Tenant Inc. No, so all these things just led me to it, and I said, you know what, I'm... Um... I just, this is what I want to be a part of. So when I was at CB, we started to, you know, 
I was like, yeah, I got this this Rolodex of a bunch of people and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get some deals. And, uh, you know, you, you rip through your Rolodex within a very short period of time. And being a direct lender saying, I have money, rather than being an intermediary where you say, okay, let me uh, help you find money and then I earn a commission on that, you know, the dynamic is a lot different. So you sear through your clients pretty – or the – the relationships that you have not that you that they are upset with you but you're just on a different side of yeah. the, the table yes. it's like a you know debt equity broker triangular type table you're just sitting on a different position right so i uh you know i i started to say to myself okay well you have all these clients and you can sit here and try and boil the ocean and do every product type and this that and the other i was like well why don't you just focus on something and just kind of go all in yeah. and i said this is a no-brainer so I, I did storage, and again, you know, it's uh, it's been it's been wonderful. I'm so happy I chose to do it. Maybe some would say, yeah, but self storage, um, self storage, uh, the loan amounts are you know generally smaller than maybe this side or the yeah. other. But you know what? To me, that's that's not what it about. Yeah. That's not what it's about. Yeah. It's about providing a service. And then again, like we said, as it relates to sponsors, look, we're sitting here together and now we're working together. Yeah. And it's because you forge good relationships good with relations. good people. Yes. And that's where I said to myself, you know, I can I can add value. And maybe it's not, you know, it's not going to be, oh, you're doing a a monster office building this that and the other but you know, this the steady flow of transactions is is there and once, you know, the, the storage folks are also pretty loyal to you. So it's, hey, you've, you know, you've done right by me. Yeah. So I'm going to do right by you. Yeah. It really is like, you know, I think about like meat and potato kind of people where they're like, I know what's important. I know what I'm doing. I'm loyal to the people that I'm doing. I'm generally speaking um, focused and uh, they're look, it, it makes the industry and I think the business model itself uh, makes for a really good batch of people um, and how we view it. The fact that it is hyper local. Yeah. Right. Like it's a three mile radius. Yeah. And so I don't think there's nearly the nimbyism of like a lot of other industries where it's like, I don't care. I mean, you could be building a storage facility in the same, same city that I am. And I tell people this all the time. When I started the book, the podcast, everybody's like, dude, you're giving away your secrets. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, the biggest threat to self-storage is the self-storage industry. So if we can make the industry better, I don't care if somebody builds in my market. If right. there's demand for it, why do I care? I yeah. can only service 600 people here. I have 600 yeah. units, right? Now, what I do care about is that people are doing bad things in the industry and then they hurt markets. Then it hurts all of us. Because yeah. if my competitor in my city is doing poorly, that's not good news for me. It's not like I'm in an office building competing to get one lease that's going to lease up two floors. Right. That's not how that works, right? Right, right. So um, it, it does make for a cool industry. Now, speaking of the industry, when you're looking at 2023, what's your outlook now? Like when you're saying, what are the things that people should be thinking about? What are going to be some of the hurdles? And uh, what does the self-storage industry in this coming year, how do you hit the ground running? How do you make sure that you're doing transactions, you're closing, you're good deals, you're limiting the inherent risk in the market? So just what is your kind of outlook and what should people be thinking about and looking at when it comes to risk and 2023? Sure. And uh, 
I'm going to answer this question. I will preface it by saying I am not an economist. No, no. So, uh, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. A disclaimer. It, the fact uh, that you're not an economist, economist actually means you're probably going to be more right. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's funny. Uh, what do I see for 2023? So uh, w what I would venture to say is... Um, and I'm, you know, I'll, I'll keep this relative towards the, the self-storage industry, yes, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think there is right now from, from, and again, this is just, I'm speaking from my eyes into yes. the market. I, I still see there being a, a disconnect relative to um, seller expectations on, on I, I sh not necessarily sellers, but sale transaction uh, demands versus reality. I, I still think that there's there there seems to be you know some some pressed deals in terms of cap rates and expectations. What's what's going into the market, and hopefully that that you know comes to reality or, or or settles a little bit more. And a lot of this again is 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 as we've been chatting about the debt markets are a bit are a bit wider and in coupons where where you are right. So you know. Um, in a lot of these transactions, you're, you're going in with more of a, a negative leverage component, which which can which can make it difficult. Yeah. So you know I, what Explain I would explain that. Sure. So when we talk about negative leverage, effectively, what it means is that you are uh, your your return with leverage is worse than had you bought it all cash yes. in in a vacuum. In a vacuum. Right. Yeah. So that doesn't mean over a five-year yes. period as you lift. Just snapshot. Snapshot yep. right now, right? So if you're looking at your cash on cash, right? Yes. So if you bought a five-cap deal yes. with no, you know, no debt, your return yep. is before, you know, yes. above the, you know, uh, above the line, your return is five percent, yes. right? You're because yep. that's it's it's your NOI divided by the purchase price. That yes. is your cap rate, but that is your return if you buy it all cash. Now, if you are incurring debt at say six seven percent, it's higher than that cap rate. Yes. So it would be inverse. Yes, it would not. It's not accretive yes. to your returns. It actually diminishes them ever so slightly. Now. When again, when you look at pressing rents, yeah, pushing occupancy as that goes up, if your five cap turns into a you know an eight cap, right? Yeah, different, 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 different but story. At that point in time, you are buying a negative hold if all things being equal never change. Correct. That is that is correct. Yeah, and that in your example is perfect. The cap rate to interest rate, and correct. this is where the problems happen. So right. we come off a, such a low interest rate, the cap rates were so low, then interest rates went so high, they quickly went above right. the yeah. cap rate yeah. and put us in this position at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So there is, um, you know, and, and, it, and it happened in an unprecedented manner. Mm -hmm. So yeah, literally, it's never happened that fast ever in the yeah. history of the United so States. So it's just, yeah, so, so, uh, you know, you're seeing deals now that are uh, that are a little bit, you know, I don't want to say stale, but have been on the market a longer time. So what I would, you know, in in my 
my outlook and how I'm thinking about things. I'm just making sure that people are, you know, being realistic yeah. with with your underwriting from and also you're having and you're you know, I would put this back on you. I'm sure you've already spoken about it ad nauseum at this point, but um, you know, rates and occupancy yeah. are softening softening oh, yeah. yeah so if you're if across, you're i mean and dude this is across the board yeah so even though there's a lot of markets that are much tighter right and they're not seeing like impact like we would say that we're it is not like it was so it, it's there the softening doesn't necessarily mean negative right but in a lot of markets it absolutely does we're yeah. absolutely seeing occupancy levels drop to levels we haven't seen since, you know, a decade. And uh, we're seeing rates decelerate at rates we haven't seen right. for you know, a decade right. or more. Exactly. No, that's that's great to hear that. I mean, great for, for, for yes. insight into your underwriting. So when you're looking at these deals and you're trying to uh, project into the future, just making sure that your underwriting is, is prudent. Um, there, there's there's other components to 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 think about you know the construction uh construction business is is what i would venture to say is is quite hit or miss at this point yes. uh you it's it, it it takes an extra level of effort than than before uh to to get these deals over the line um, in addition to some of the components that you just brought up, but some some lenders are just taking a firm stance and saying, no, we're not doing any construction right now, or no, we uh, are only uh, we're only working with um, uh, existing clients, so we don't want new clients. So uh, you know, having to maybe expand the the cohort that you're speaking to from a construction standpoint yeah. is 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 very much, very much. relevant. Um, you know, and and also talking about how long it's going to take to get these deals stabilized. Yes. If when you when you had started your entitlement process, months if not years, years. before, yes, you know, and you had a pro forma, then yeah. you need to make sure how does it look now because the the occupancy rate, coupons yeah. are all and prices of materials and yeah, all this I saw is a feasibility is just, that somebody in my inner circle literally was given at a year fill up. And I was, I was shocked. Yeah, I was like, a bit rapid. Like, how could you, why would you even give that to somebody? Like it's, that is so, that, that would mean you're in like the best of times, right? And that's dangerous for people to be thinking like that. You should at least go to standardization, <laughs> like even in the great markets, right? right? Like I would never ever underwrite less than three years. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem that you're going to find too is banks aren't going to accept that stuff. If you go to a bank and say, oh, yeah, we're going to fill up in eight months, right? You're going to probably shoot yourself in the foot because the bank's probably going to look at you and say, I think you're over optimistic here at best. And that, you know, when you maybe I'm wrong, you're asking you. But when we go to put out a deal, it's very important to us that we are being not just realistic, but we are looking at the downsides. We are understanding that this may take longer and we're we're planning for it. So when we go show a deal to the bank, when we're showing our underwriting and everything, it's like, we've already thought of the things that you're gonna think of. Right. And we're prepared for them because we want you to trust your capital with us. Right. So if we come back saying things that are unrealistic, 
and uh, that is even if it's true but it's not standard it's unrealistic around these times i feel like that's going to diminish my credibility with that institution that they're going to look at it and say i i, I don't know maybe i'm wrong on that but that's how no, I you're you're, you're absolutely right you know most of the most of the folks that do construction lending in self-storage are are very seasoned in it and i would say and you find it to be very uh at least from my experience you get a lot of regional local and regional banks and they they do they they've seen it so yes. so if you show them something they don't have to they they, they, they look at another deal they yeah do. they look at the yeah. the the five deals that they've done done in the greater market within the last 12 months and said well this why are you an outlier relative yes. to what these guys are doing? Oh, and by the way, we originated these deals and we know where it's, how long it takes. So, you know, yeah. you can't, you know, there's, yes. unless you have some, some secret sauce, which is. That uh, they're going to have to really understand and believe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good luck with that. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a tough balance to, to, you want to have some sense of aggressiveness to, to push the lenders right but it's within reason and within what you can stand behind you know it's it has to it has to be accurate because the the repercussions for for being over aggressive and that is i would say is not worth it uh something else that i've been seeing a lot of and i guess i'll put it back on you is uh i i have seen a lot of uh transactions or momentum or thoughts into more of the the boat and rv focused yes. only facilities so there there's there is some some movement there um you know it's not necessarily a, a new thing but yeah. uh, it's been in existence but more folks really sort of digging in to try and put together class a boat and rv yeah. facilities with you know fully amenitized especially yes. given what happened during COVID, the the proliferation of, of these toys, et cetera. So yeah. what, what do you think about that as a sub-asset class yeah. within self-storage? You have to be careful with it. I, I, I mean, it's, you know, and I, I've talked a lot about this. Like, we are, our major developments that we're doing, we have a large focus area on boat and RV, but we hedge against it with a huge, like a major component of it, either 50 plus percent of storage. The reason being is out of all product types, boat and RV are the most fickle because they are the most sensitive to changes in the economy. So while COVID, you saw an explosion of boat and RV storage, when you move into a recession, people not only don't buy, but they also don't pay to store. I mean, and we saw this after 2008, you could have bought an RV for nothing. People were literally just giving them away. I had friends that were like, yeah, I bought this RV from this guy for 15 grand that was an $80,000 RV six months ago. Wow. And it was like, because people are like, I can't afford it. I need cash. I don't want it. They got to get rid. It's just, that's just a really, really fickle market. And so you got to be very careful when you're planning on that, especially at mass, where that's your only focus area. And it is very, very sensitive to location. I see people that just go and they build... Uh, these these boat and RV places and they're kind of out. They're not on the way to anything and they're like, well, we'll do full service. We're going to pick up, but then we're going to charge for all of these things. And I'm like, that's a great model. If there's really, really high demand, 
if you're in a really good location, right? But that is so specialized. That is not something that you can just transfer into every single market. It doesn't right. work like that. Right. And uh, um, you, we see in the boat and RVs the largest fluctuations in prices that we can charge. So in all our storage facilities, the things that have the largest fluctuations, and we're seeing it today, right now, the bigger the units are, the harder they are hit because it is a price to income problem. So if you look at a five by five, you could say, I'm charging $3 a square foot and I can keep raising rents. But then all of a sudden you have an RV spot and you're having to discount it or people are going to move out. And you're like, but that's 80 cents a square foot. It's less than three times a square foot what we're charging. Right. And you're like, yeah, but one's $700 and the other one's $80, right? You know what I mean? It's like, it's just so disproportionate. Right in the effect of it. And obviously that those numbers right there didn't match up. I'm using an example, just the, and so when you get into tight times, if you get into a labor market, right? People aren't paying that huge amount because they're more worried about their, their, their position. So when we look at locations where we're going to do that, there has to be very localized reasons that we believe that not only the demand is not there, but people will use it and need to use it for specialty items. And for, there's a huge surplus, um, but there is a functionality. Like we've got one of our developments where we're putting in with RV dealerships and we're working with the RV dealerships. Now, once again, though, we're also hedging on huge multi-story climate controlled. Right. So we, we've, we have not gone ever all in on specifically just boat and RV for those reasons. So that's kind of how I view that. Though. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. No. For sure. And I now we, we've had on the podcast, though, we had Scott and everybody can go listen back to him. Um, awesome. Very, very good friend of mine. Um, and he specializes in just boat and RV. And what he does is he goes and finds these superior locations. We're talking like California, like on the bay. Right. And he buys old warehouses that are close to dockyards and everything. And he transforms them okay, into. Yeah. Right. It's so it's not like and he's out, outrageously successful at it. But you can see the specialty in what he does. Very much so. It's, very, yeah, it's a lot more very, sur surgical. Yes, very. The guy is just incredible at it. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I think that's something they need to watch out for 2023. What do you end, you know, before we wrap up here, just too, on the debt markets overall, what is your landscape looking in 2023? What, what are you feeling like the debt markets are going to do? You know, we just heard recently, meaning whatever, yesterday, uh, from the Fed. But if you were planning and you were trying to tell people like, okay, you should be probably planning if you got a deal and it's three, four months out or whatever, right? What should some expectations be? Because a lot of people are wondering that. Well, in my underwriting and my modeling for deals in the future, what should expectations maybe be understanding you don't know? Yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. we take that off the table right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Disclaimer, everybody. Yeah, 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 Ben's yeah. not saying stamp of approval. Yeah, exactly. But from your inside knowledge that we all don't don't have. Yeah, I, I you know, it's a lot of this is going to be more of a lender to lender type type analysis on it. Um, you know, some of them will will potentially allow for a, you know, an early rate lock, which can which can sort of eliminate the, the unknown in that regard. Uh, but it, from all the, the news and the, the folks that I speak with and everything that you read about, yes, without you know, the over the last three years, it's been just unbelievable movements one way or the other with, you know, starting from, you know, COVID and then 
it went over to the last few years, you got wars here, you got, you know, uh, inflationary fears and recessionary fears and all this that's that's going on. Some of those aren't really fears. Some of those are realities. Yes. But, um, you know, everything that we're seeing and everything that we're hearing, it, um, it's it seems like for the next uh, few few meetings there's going to be some 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 hikes but they've already kind of said that yes. so it, it seems to be I, I hate saying this but it seems to kind of be baked into into yeah. the market right now because they're they're showing their cards like yes. this is what we're going to do so this so, okay so so we're dealing with this um you know i i from so the the index the indices are just as as they move um, you know, it, it seems to be in a, a little point of right now where there's there's not as much volatility. They've they've you know they've like the ten year has come down a bit from where it was you know a couple months back in the fours. So now we're we're a little bit stable. But you know, it's it seems like for the foreseeable future, this is kind of you know it, it it seems like we're sort of on this path and there's 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 they don't anticipate any rate cuts here so i you know spreads all things being equal are seeming for now from what i'm hold, saying or hearing from everybody is that they're they're sort of holding in um you know on in some of these markets there are some folks with some some dry powder who can go in and and are looking to to ramp origination volumes right so this time of year is is always an interesting time for that but uh, we're, I don't think that there's going to be some, some drastic, unless there's some, you know, external, uh, outcome that is unforeseeable to us, right. From everything that we're really seeing and hearing and reading this, this is kind of where the market is. It's going to fluctuate a little bit, but you know, uh, hopefully the, the worst is sort of behind us and, and we can sort of continue on, you know, and try and keep it stable here. And with that, right, as these index, as these rates have, have gone up ever so slightly, I mean, it's tough to tell if we're going to, you know, have another, if it's going to widen by 100 or drop by 100, yeah. right? I, I, I don't, it, it's right now, it seems like this has been from the quotes that we've been getting and from the deals that we've been executing, they seem to be within a, a, a pretty, um, observant bandwidth, right? Which is, which is great. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it, it seems like this is the, the sort of trajectory that we're on and hopefully soon, right. You know, relating back to one of the topics that we spoke about earlier, hopefully these transactions and the, the prices, you know, there's, there has to be, a the, these rates aren't going to drop precipitously where they, they, they mm -hmm. go below, you know where you were buying that five cap at a three and a half coupon right yeah so we're we're now hopefully those this continues to put upward pressure on the cap rates which will you know fuel a little bit more transactions and and get that going but you know i really see uh it, oh, you know knock on wood right and again without my uh yeah, economics ball, degree yeah, yeah. in crystal ball but hopefully the uh the rates have the the upward pressure that happened in an unprecedented way through yeah. 2022 is behind us and there will be maybe a little bit of upward mobility in in overall coupons but not nearly to the point that we saw last yeah. year into the point of just you know where it, it makes absolutely no sense so yeah. that's kind of my thought on it no i i agree 100 percent, and everybody if you want to, if you got a deal and you're looking at trying to get debt, and you want to work with Ben, everybody, there's a link below. Go in there. You just put in your information. 
and then that way Ben gets it and he can reach out to you and then uh, um, he can help you guys out in finding and, and placing debt for your facilities and getting uh, some solutions and understanding in this crazy market. Um, but dude, thank you so much for being on here. Like seriously, this was a, a, a huge wealth of knowledge for everyone in a great way, you know, to really kick off 2023 and probably the number one concerns for everybody. No, so thanks, thank, man. no, absolutely. Thank you so much. And, you know, I'm super happy to, to be working with you now, and this is going to be an exciting, an exciting time for us and wishing you and everybody at Cedar Creek, the, uh, the, the best for 2023 and beyond you too, man. Thanks everybody.